Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. No bus this time as the episode begins. I'm your host. I will have cut that out anyway, but I've said it. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. Uh, the, the excitement is growing at this end, as you can probably hear. Fr- from last week? Wow. From last week, yeah. It just It's a slow burn when you leave it on the hob that long. It's just bubbling away. Yeah. How oh, are you nice. doing? Doing very good, doing very good. Yeah, as, as I've alluded to much better than last week. Fantastic. And we're continuing our first look run, chomping our way through the invest- investigators in Edge of the Earth and the level zero cards. Which do we have today? Today we're doing, we're still on level zero and we're doing mm-hmm. uh, Rogue and Mystic, including Monterey Jack, the cheese man, and, and Lily Chen. Lily Chen. Yeah. Should be good fun. Well, let's dive in, shall we? Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to go first, or shall I? Which Which of the two investigators do you want to read? I guess I want to read Jack. I think oh, okay. I do. Go on, hit me. With his misspelt archaeologist, he and yeah, yeah. Jeremiah are clashing. So this is Monterey Jack, the archaeologist. He's wayfarer traded, one willpower, four intellect, two combat, five agility, reaction at the end of your turn. If you started this round one location away from your current location, either gain one resource or draw one card. If you started this round two or more locations away, do both instead. Elder Sign Effect plus one. If you started this round one or more locations away from your current location, gain one resource or draw one card. Eight health, six sanity, deck size of 30, and he is rogue level zero, seeker one to five, and Five seeker level zeros, so he is our roguey seekery morphing investigator. Yes, so theoretically, I guess finding clues. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he's really a a seeker. Yes, but one thing I think that really jumps out—we said this about Daniela as well—is that that stat line looks to me really roguey. So certainly in stats, he looks like a rogue. It does, but Ursula is too. Is Ursula two four two four, or she? No, she's three four one one four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's not quite as as well. It's just tilted in a different way to Ursula's. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the, seekers the, aren't the, normally the, like super low willpower, are they? They're not. No. Um, rogues often are though. Mm, yeah. So interestingly, exactly. yeah. Although although his card pool is going to be increasingly seeker as he levels up, mm-hmm. he's always got that that. <laughs> What um, albatross round his neck? I don't know. <laughs> Mixing my metaphors. The shining pendant of the one willpower. Is that what you're trying to say? That's it. Yeah, exactly. The allure of crime, <laughs> the life of crime, is never far from him. Fear of rotting remains and frozen in fear, ever present. <laughs> yeah. His ability, I think, is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's an it's a kind of a straight up econ ability. Yeah, and it's pretty flexible gaining a resource or drawing a card it's always nice yep. to have the, cho- the, the choice yeah super nice and just doubling your upkeep if you manage just to end your turn far enough away yeah yeah he's super thematic with all of the the kind of the the seeker he's on pathfinder right that's is that yes, him on pathfinder? Is. yeah 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 brass tacks if you spend an action to move you get that action back and you can have either a card or a resource for your trouble as in that's what you'd spend the action on instead. So if you were thinking about drawing a card or gaining a resource, you may as well move and you get the move as well. 
But if you've moved twice, you sort of get both of those actions back because you get a card and a resource, which is really nice. Then if you haven't spent any actions to move, like with Pathfinder, you get a card or a resource as well just for playing one of the strongest cards in the game. A card that's already good. really good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Ursula as well. The stats are similar. Ursula and Monterey Jack are both called out at the start of Forgotten Age as possible um, lead investigators. And I like them because he's weirdly a kind of mirror Ursula. Ursula likes to move because she gets more investigate actions. Jack, the rogue, likes to move because he gets resources and cards. He might not you know, actually be doing investigating, but you might just last action move away from your team because you're going to get resources and cards and you'll just do a bit more exploring. Um, I think that's really cool. I guess my I haven't got my head around what a Montreal Jack deck looks like, to be honest. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I That's not because I don't think he's good. I think he's, he's going to be great. But I just don't know how I would go about building him, aside from the fact I'd definitely put fieldwork in him. Mm, that's a nice shout. My favourite card. <laughs> He feels like remember this moment, listeners, when Peter has said what his favourite card is. We have a quiz in the future. He tries to say that it's I don't know mechanics wrench or something like that. Know that it's actually fieldwork. Yeah. So 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 I he's I can't remember I was going with this. I don't know know how to build him. I don't don't know what his deck looks like. Do I put in lots of money and then do I find a way to spend all that money? What do I do? Well, he's got an economy uh, ability. On the card as well. He, he does. So if yeah. anything, you don't put less lots put, of money. Put fewer money. Yeah, and you put other fun, tricksy things in. You know, you put in your, I don't know, your vantage points and your whatever your high level secret cards are. Maybe you run in a few different research cards in him or something like that. D- does his stat line of a high intellect and a high agility and his access to good economy, good. Uh, Movement, good card draw. Yeah, and and good clue finding. Does it make him yeah. a solid solo choice? Yeah, agreed. It does. And maybe we should move on and look at his signatures because yeah. that would give us another hint as well. Do you want to so, read us the trusty bullwhip? Bullwhip. Uh, this is a two-cost asset. It has two intellect and a wild icons. It has item, weapon, and... you find it has two agility. What did I say? <laughs> two intellect. Oh, wow. I don't know how I did that. Don't two agility and a wild. Bob Jenkins on us here. This was... This was used to happen when we used to do, like, a mega... We used to... Our brains were dissolved by the end of yeah. the fifth faction. Yeah. <laughs> we could barely read the cards. This is a Seeker 3 XP. No, it's none of those things. Yeah. Uh, it has item, weapon, and melee traits. It is fast, Monterey Jack deck only, and it has action fight. This attack uses agility instead of combat. If this attack succeeds, you may exhaust Trusty Bullwhip to either automatically evade the attacked enemy or deal plus one damage for this attack. And that uses a hand slot. Mm. This is lovely. Is there, is there another melee agility replacement weapon? I can't think of any. The ornate bow... Yeah. Is ranged. Yeah, is ranged, yeah. Yeah. I don't think there is. So, but, yeah. But yeah, there's the sword cane, which is willpower instead of combat. Yes. This, I think this is nice. It, it can kill a two, dam- uh, two health enemy, or it can deal a damage and evade an enemy, which is a bit like Rita, right? Sort of a reverse Rita. Yeah. 
yeah. but on on a signature asset instead. I, th- I think it's it's nice. Yeah. I think it comes with all the things you kind of like about a signature like this, right? The low cost, the fact it's fast, the fact it allows him to use his big stat. Like, it's the equivalent of giving him plus three to his combat on it, which is yeah. really funky. The fact that it's using agility, you could commit nimble to it <laughs> if you wow. wanted to and, like, run away after whipping. I don't know if there are any other really exciting agility-only skills but yeah you could certainly put eureka in eureka doesn't have a combat icon but does have a an agility icon yeah and yeah what you've just said i agree like having the evasion in there because it's an evasion plus a damage isn't it if you if you use the exhaust yeah Yeah. i'm just wondering what occasions are i suppose if you've drawn a three health or more enemy you could just try and evade them, or you could whip them in the face. Well, <laughs> which if gives you the evade anyway and a damage, and then you just if it's a three health enemy, you, <laughs> you whip you them can, once and don't exhaust it, and then whip them again and kill it. Or you do it over two turns, so you can whip them and exhaust it, it to evade them, and then you can just whip them yeah. to death the next turn. <laughs> There's something really I don't know obscene and quite entertaining about that, isn't there? That he's just <laughs> hanging around slowly lashing enemies to death yeah if it's i suppose if it's a bigger enemy than you can kill in the actions you have available to you i'm just wondering why you would ever use it to automatically evade when you could just evade just evade yeah no i I get you yeah but there must be a reason i just can't think of it well it solves that issue of you've got an enemy you do need to kill and you don't lose any tempo evading it every single turn that's right because usually i mean it would be an action unless you're some special investigator it'd be an action to evade yeah. this lets yeah. you combine those things so even if you do one yeah, damage a turn picking away <laughs> you're, at it you're, yeah, it's you're the picking away isn't it? yeah yeah, yeah. And, sure. and like i say you could end. you could do like attack then whip to kill a three health enemy attack yeah. attack whip or attack then evade it's it's i think it's just relatively flexible i don't think it's great and it doesn't i don't think it's like astonishingly good i think it's fine it doesn't mm-hmm. Directly interact with his ability. No. Uh, aside from evading an enemy so you can move away. Yeah. It'd be nice if it had the Sword King thing where the, you could use it for free after you've played it. Mm. But it doesn't. And also on a fast card. <laughs> yeah. Here, have three free actions if you're <laughs> trouble. Do you want to tell us about Buried Secrets? I think you're telling us about Buried Secrets. Oh, I am. It's a treachery. It's his basic weakness, uh, his signature weakness. It's mystery traded. Revelation put buried secrets into play in your threat area. If your location can be investigated, you cannot move except by scenario card effects. Action, investigate. If you succeed, instead of discovering clues, discard buried secrets. If you fail, you may take two horror to shuffle it into your deck. Two of his six sanity. It's pretty nasty. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think what you were saying um, earlier about... Uh, Ursula, Montreux acts like a kind of reverse Ursula. This is sort of the same. Mm. Whereas Call of the Unknown forces you to move onwards. This yeah. forces you to stay still. But there's that both have that ability to take two horror and shuffle it back into your deck. Yes. Rather yeah. than discarding it. It's a nice call out to that. Which is which is interesting. Although, interestingly, Call of the Unknown, because I've just looked it up, is task traded, not mystery traded. Mm. I suppose it is a task to go heading off somewhere else. I'd also mm. add that really the only time locations can't be investigated 
is by very specific rules text. So even in a location with zero clues can still be investigated. You won't get a clue from Ed because there's no clues there, but it can still be investigated. So I'm picturing times when you end your turn on a non-clue location and you're thinking next turn I'm going to move so my ability will trigger and I'll start getting clues elsewhere. And then you pull buried secrets in upkeep and you're like, oh, I'm going to have to spend an action trying to get a clue here. Mm. Which makes me think maybe he likes some seeker cards that allow him to get clues at range. Yeah, potentially a bit of seeking answers and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe in the know. Although you don't want to do that turret style where you go and hold up in a corner because then you're turning off his ability. So. Yes, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's kind of weird. Should we move on to the first card, the first rogue card? Let's do it. Brill. Oh, this is this is an exciting one. This is Underworld Support, and it is a blank cost asset. People may be able to see where we're going with this. It has the favour and illicit traits, and it has permanent limit one per deck, purchase it deck creation. Your deck cannot include more than one copy of each non-weakness, non-signature card by title. Reduce your deck size by five. Mm. <laughs> it's illicit, so Preston can't take it. Preston can't take it. That very much the flip side of the Matteo can take it. Yeah, <laughs> very much. Um, what I do you reckon? Highlander, right? Highlander. This is a, I think makes your deck into a Highlander deck, which is pretty cool. Which is um, just a one of everything. There can be only one. Turns off Myriad altogether. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think of the ones we've seen so far, Forced Learning and Geared Up, this is the one that gets me most excited. That slimming your deck down to 25 cards is is pretty cool. That means with your mulligan, you nearly see half your deck, which is pretty good. Does this put par- quite... parallel skids down at 20 cards? Yeah, it does, yeah. Absolutely it a 20 card wild. Deck. Yeah, you're just zooming through that deck, which is pretty cool. You know what? I know a lot of people who would who would look at this and be like, oh, wow, there's two benefits on this card. No one's forcing me to take two copies of each yeah, card in my yeah, deck. Because yeah. <laughs> some people just love to have all the options open to them. Yeah, they like a sort of selection of one-offs to give them that range. And then when they show those decks for feedback from other people, people will say, look, of your one-offs, you need to make some choices here. What are the ones? I mean, I just did that. I started a campaign recently and I was building a new Tony deck and I ended up at the end with one of Obfuscation, one of Tennessee Sour Mesh. You know, these cards that aren't vital to my core engine and I was sort of trying to decide which I wanted and the feedback I got was, you need to make a decision about them and put make one of them two of and cut the other one. And it's like... Oh well, <laughs> yeah. it was fun while I while I dreamed the dream. But there we go. Yeah, it, it, yeah. But this this exactly plays into that. I almost feel, and we haven't talked about him yet, but I think there could be a fun way to play Bob using this. Mm-hmm. Just having, like you say, I think lots of items, almost like a toolbox item, a bit like um, the uh, the Tinkerer in Gloomhaven. It's a game mm. we haven't talked about in a while. <laughs> yeah. But you remember how the Tinkerer Your flamethrower, your net bomb, your... Yeah. And a lot of the Tinkerer's tools are like are one use and done. They just have a really yeah. specific use. Kind of like that. You just, what's, yeah. what's the card I need for the situation? Out it comes. And then I'm done. Yeah. Speaking of one use. Yes. We do have a, a subtype of card in 
rogue, which is exceptional, predominantly a rogue anyway. And one of the major drawbacks that people will often cite for exceptional is that all of those cards are one-ofs rather than two-ofs. Yes. This goes a small way towards mitigating that by making all of your deck one-ofs. So no longer can you complain that your deck is... It's so hard to find those one-offs in your deck because everything's a one-off. I, I, I mean, I mean, make that slightly as a as a joke, but I think there is a bigger point there that if you're making sure that your deck can cover its bases by including lots of different cards rather than picking the cards that you want and running two of all of them, mm-hmm. exceptionals don't seem to stick out as much in there. So, you know, maybe you do have um, Pocket Watch or Eye of the Djinn in the deck and it's a nice piece that sort of fits in with the the bigger thing that you're doing. Here's a question for you. What's the theme behind this? So in my mind, it's almost like you've got some shady characters <laughs> who are willing to find yeah. roughly what you need. So they get you the stuff faster, but there's a chance you don't get the exact thing you need. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh yeah, I need I need a weapon. Well, I've got this baseball bat. It's not it's not a gun, but it'll do the job. <laughs> and I've got it for you really fast. <laughs> I've got I've got it for you quite quickly. Yeah, it's also favor traded, and our favors are those, um, you know, small favor and Intel report decoy cards that you pay to get more value out of. Yeah. So there's maybe something about yeah, like what you're saying. They'll help you out, but not necessarily in the way you want, unless you pay through the nose to get what you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can almost see like an upgraded underworld support that, I don't know, lets you actually find what you need, where you've actually bothered to pay. Yeah, it's it's kind of making me interested, because I haven't dived into Bob too much. It's kind of making me mm-hmm. interested to, to see if I can do a like a, um, a bric-a-brac shop Bob deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so he just throws out the stuff to his allies as they need it. He's got a slim deck, so he's seeing all those exceptional cards and handing them out and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, should we sure. move on? Let's move on. It's Meter Reed, Scout Ahead. It's a one cost event. It's got double agility icons, Insight and Trick traded, so Rita can take it. Action move. Move up to three times. Enemies did not engage you during this movement. A viewless aura repelled me and bade me retreat from antique and sinister secrets that no man should see and no man else had ever dared to see. H.P. Lovecraft, The Nameless City. It's a classic bit of Lovecraft there, I think. It's just very him. Yeah. So, Elusive has just been re-tabooed. Yes. It's come off being 2 XP. It's now back to being level zero, but now instead of move to any revealed location, it's moved to a connecting location. Yes. And if Elusive hadn't been tabooed in that way, I wondered about how Scout Ahead fit into a level zero rogue deck. But now that Elusive has been tabooed in that way, I look quite favourably on Scout Ahead. Yes. Yeah. It's also got two agility icons, which I think is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think it's just. I think it's just a nice card. Especially in something like a solo or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can imagine yourself in a situation like, well, any of the situations where Elusive used to totally break the game. Mm. So is it Phantom of... Tr- no, no, it's the Pallid Mask. 
Yeah. Or where you need to resign at the exit. Exactly, yeah. or do with the Etsley or something like that. Yeah. A pit of despair as well, like you're searching across one side of the yeah. map and then needing to cross back over. Exactly, or Carnival. Yeah. Just lets you shoot past enemies, which might be mm-hmm. blocking the way, and cover a lot of ground in a single action. I mean, the, the enemies blocking, is that's, I think, the cherry on the cake, isn't it? Because paying a card and a resource for three actions, all of which are moves, I think mm-hmm. is pretty decent. Yes, you're spending an action to do it, so it's not quite the shortcut. I'm going to spend this card and get a move. Yeah. But you're getting three moves for your, your card and your resource and your action. And I th- yeah, I think that's good. I think that's yeah. really good. I think the benefit that something like Shortcut has, which might maybe occupy a similar slot in your deck, is that it can move another character. Mm, and I yeah. think that's yeah. the real the real benefit of Shortcut, is the flexibility in the mm-hmm. turn order it gives you. So you can really yeah. mess around with that. This doesn't have that same kind of... Even though it's, it's a move action strapped to a card, doesn't have that same kind of use. What it does give you is a much better efficiency. So three moves and moves that let you get past enemies. I like as well that it doesn't care about moving you to revealed or unrevealed. So you can race around revealing locations if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Or you can race back and cover ground that you've previously covered because you need to get to somewhere else or whatever it is. Probably worth adding as well that in Jack, he gets the card and the resource back after he plays this. Yeah, absolutely. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. There's a lot of those scenarios, like the back of the Bella Luna, where you're yeah. several rooms off a central hub. Yeah. And you want to try and get into the right one. So it could yeah. be that, you know, you're in the hub, you play this, you move in, and then you move out and move into a different one if you need to. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can, because you're moving up to three times, you can just stick after that first move. It's making me think again about clues at range or something like vantage point that allows you to move clues when you reveal locations in Jack, I mean. Yeah. That if you rush through a bunch of locations, you might be like, oh, I do want to get that clue. It has a VP, but I also want to keep moving because I'm going to trigger my ability. You've got the, uh, which is the room in Curtain Call that has all the rats in it? Oh, yeah, the the trap room. Trap room, that's it. Yeah, because you could be, yeah, that's another situation where you've got several options of a room you could go into. You use this, you jump in, there's enemies, and you can just jump straight back out again because enemies aren't going to engage you. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I guess that raises that separate point about... Do you remember we talked about, like, it was in our Who Goes First episode, right? About whose actions are more valuable or not. And also that idea of, like, who do you get to explore? And if you've got someone who's a bit of a jack-of-all-trades character, definitely no pun intended... Maybe you make them be your person who does the exploring because it sort of doesn't matter if they run into an enemy or whatever it is. And this seems like another card that feeds into that, that you just go zooming off. Like maybe in Trish, you just go zooming off and you can evade enemies because you get clues to evade enemies. And yeah, I like it. I think it's really cool. It's a nice card. Should we move on to the last rogue card? This is a two-cost event. It is called 21 or Bust. It has a combat and agility pip, and it has the fortune and gambit traits. This is a reader, this one. One at a time, reveal random tokens from the chaos bag until you choose to stop. Treat each skull, cultist, tablet, or elder thing as a 5, the order fail as a 10, and the elder sign as either a 1 or an 11. If the combined value of these tokens, ignoring the pluses and minuses, is 18 or less, gain 4 resources, 19 gave 5 resources, 
20 gain 6 resources, or 21 gain 9 resources. Okay, Peter, are you ready to play have you 21 got a, or bust? Have you got, got a, my a, chaos bag oh, here? amazing. Right, okay, hit, hit me with a... Hit me. Okay, one at a time. First token is a cultist. That is a 5. Hit me. Another cultist. 10. You're at 10. Uh, if you could draw the elder thing next, that would be great. Uh, hit me again. Skull. Wow. You're Fif- at 15? Oh, you've, you've drawn three special tokens. I know. And there's only four of them in the bag. There's <laughs> only meant to be one in the deck. Uh, <laughs> go on, hit me again. Zero. Uh, so I'm starting 15. Again. It's a standard bag, by the way. So, yeah. Okay. Minus one. Oh, 16. So that's a one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, hit me again. That's a minus four. So you're at 20. 20. I think I'm going to stick on 20. If you had hit, you would have got a tablet and gone shooting over. Ah, uh, bust. Yeah, so 20. You you just paid two and got, and got six resources. So four resources for one action. Too bad. And that really illustrates what you're going for. You, you need to hit 19 or better if you want this to pay out as a cash. Mm-hmm. The distribution of the bag is a really fascinating one, isn't it? Because most of the numbers in the bag on standard are, you know, zero to four. So they're pretty small. But then special tokens and and uh, the autofill completely skew what you're doing. I think it's particularly weird where if you see the autofill early, you can then work around that. But if you haven't seen the auto fail, there's a real risk that you're at 15 and you're suddenly punted to 25 and don't get anything. Yeah, yeah. In a way, it's it's a kind of, I don't want to say an obvious card, but if someone pitches the idea to you, you can you can figure it out, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. very intuitive to grasp. I think it's a lot of fun. And yeah. again, I think that's something that, uh, for a lot of people, that's what they love. Yeah, and it would if you're making any kind of gambling theme deck or anything like that, you absolutely love this. And I guess you can use some chaos bag tricks to to fiddle around with this as well. Yeah, like say use Jacqueline. Yeah, that would work. Reveal three tokens and then cancel two of them. Yeah, there, I, I think there's maybe some other ones like that as well. Some chaos bag shenanigans you can you can pull off might make Olive look more appealing as well. If you're if you're right on that cusp of getting twenty one, <laughs> maybe mm. you start to do that. Yeah, yeah. Olive's going to end up hitting you with two, right? So you don't well, want to do that. yeah, but you can pick the two. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Maybe start off with with the Olive and then work from there. Yeah. If you can hit 21, this is a seven resource card. Yes, if. <laughs> if. <laughs> yeah. The equivalent for that is if you had three resources and four XP, you could hot streak, pay three, get 10. Yeah. Which is a seven resource swing. Because the other card that exists here that we can't really ignore is Faustian Bargain, which is a zero cost, zero XP card that gets you five resources. I would have bet money you were going to say Henry Wan there. <laughs> And you would have lost a lot of money, like poor Henry. <laughs> okay, yeah. cool. Is this what Henry Wan wanted to be? Uh, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, it seems better than Henry, I think. Yeah. Poor Henry Wan. 
Oh, well. <laughs> and that ends our Rogue Level Zero cards. Do you want to read Lily? Yeah, I will read Lily. So she's the first of our Mystic cards. Uh, and this is Lily Chen, the martial artist. She has uh, three willpower, two intellect, four combat, and three agility. And she has seven health and seven sanity. She has the chosen and warden traits. You begin the game with each discipline in your deck in play, unbroken side face up. Elder sign effect, plus two. After this test ends, flip a broken discipline you control to its unbroken side. I have been preparing to confront this evil for my entire life. My focus must be absolute. I'm going to flip her straight over and read the back because there's some crucial information on there as well. Uh, Once again, she's got the same deck building. However, she is uh, Mystic Level 0 that can take Guardian Level 1 to 5. Her deck building requirements are 1 Burden of Destiny for each discipline and a random basic weakness. We'll come on to disciplines in a second. She can't take Firearms. As an additional requirement, at deck creation, you choose a discipline asset to be added to your deck. For every 15 experience you've earned in total, so that's full 15 experience. So once she gets 16 experience, she'll have two in her deck. Uh, you may choose and add a different discipline asset to your deck. I did that in the wrong order there. But I hope that, hope that makes sense. So 0 to 15 experience, she has one discipline that you pick at deck creation. I think for every... 15 at zero she has one and at 15 she gets her second because she's earned 15 xp oh okay right yeah so zero to 14 yeah so yeah zero to 14 your numbers are right just yeah one one higher than they are yeah so, they are, they so are when right. she hits 45 xp she'll have all that, four in a deck that standard threshold that most decks hit <laughs> she hits <laughs> all four i mean realistically in campaigns that we've played i think realistically hitting 30 xp is not beyond the realm of possibility no no absolutely not I, I, I wouldn't say so at all i think and i think when you start to look at the, the disciplines you probably have a couple that would really play in towards your your build with the other ones being a kind of added bonus mm-hmm. so you can certainly pick the ones you want earlier on so how do you want to do this then do you want to do we want to read the disciplines first yeah because do they i inform? think we need to because i I think really, look at, she's got a pretty flat stat line. She actually doesn't have an ability apart from fetching disciplines from her deck. That's that's it. And her Elder Sign ability, all it cares about is the broken and the unbroken disciplines. So, like, in terms of what we have to talk about for Lily, there's not too much there apart from the fact that she's Mystic Evolving into Guardian. Yeah, yeah. Okay, bro, well... Should we, should we each pick two? Do you want first choice of discipline? Yeah, sure. So I'll jump in with the alignment of spirit. Yeah. All of them say Lily deck, Chen deck only and permanent. This one gives you plus one willpower. So you could start your Lily Chen campaign and already be a 4-2-4-3 instead of a 3-2-4-3. And as an action, you can take a direct horror to heal, a direct damage to heal three horror or a direct horror to heal three damage. And then that breaks the discipline. When it's broken, you lose the stat boost, and there's a reaction after the round ends. If you took no damage or horror this round, flip this asset over to its unbroken side. Brill. That is alignment of spirit. Should I read the next one? Please do, yeah. We have uh, quiescence of thought. This one gives you plus one intellect and has action. If you have fewer than five cards in your hand, draw cards until there are five in your hand. Flip this asset over. It's really good. 
after uh, and then a reaction after this round ends if your hand did not have two or more cards in it at any point this round flip it over to its unbroken side mm-hmm. third up is prescience of fate you get plus one combat you see the pattern emerging Yes. The action here is you get plus five skill value for the next skill test you perform this turn. After that skill test ends, flip this asset over, and this action does not provoke a tax opportunity. Importantly, if that action is a one that uses combat, you'd still have the combat boost here because it's only after that skill test ends that you lose it. So plus, plus five to a skill for an action. When it's flipped over, after the round ends, if you performed no skill tests this round... Flip this asset over to its unbroken side. And finally, we have balance of body. And this is plus one agility. Action, one at a time, take up to three different fighter evade actions. Flip this asset over. This action does not provoke attacks of opportunity. And then reaction, after the round ends, if no enemies were at the same location as you at any point this round, flip it over to its unbroken side. Wild. Yes. And I don't even know how you begin chopping them up. Well, yeah, for the sake of it, should we just read Burden of Destiny as well? Oh, yeah. Do, yeah. You, do you want to read that? So this is a treachery, it's a weakness, and it's floor-traded. So you're getting one of these for each discipline in your deck. So you start with one, you could go up to four. Revelation, you must either choose one. Flip a discipline you control to its broken side. It cannot flip back this round. Or take one damage and one horror. How can I save them if I can't even save myself? She she's got a lot going on, right? Yeah, I think it's incredible amount. It's a difficult one to entirely wrap your head around. I think that the obvious path is going to be to take her down a willpower or a fighting path right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yep, that would be my feel. So. She either starts at four two four three, which is a nice stat line, or three two five three, which is a hell of a stat line. That's a really solid stat line to start off with. I'm tempted as well by balance of body, the plus one agility. That gives her four combat, four agility, which True. is the sort of Silas physical stats. And that ability to take three different fight or evade actions, sort of blur of combat and evasion. Is pretty tasty as well, just having that sitting ready to go. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Because I like the plus one combat, but I feel like that plus five skill value for the next skill test you perform is maybe less useful than getting a triple fight or evade. Yes, yes. The difficulty is finding three different fight or evade actions. Yes. So having cards that have fight or evade on them starts to become really useful. Yeah, or, or you know, assets out that do one or the other. Yes. Yeah. I mean, at its, at its basic level, you could just do a basic fight and a basic evade. Yeah. Uh, which is nice. She could be running, for instance, toe-to-toe, because she can take yes. five level zero guardian. So one of her fight or evade actions could just be a, an enemy hits me and I deal two damage to them. Yeah. And then yeah. she'd need some other fight or evades. I think the alignment of spirit, which is the willpower one, has an ability that is maybe... Not so interesting to me, the healing damage or horror, but given that she starts as a mystic, you're getting that plus one willpower from the off to start putting you in that reasonable place for using your willpower is very appealing. So there's a nice tension there that it's maybe the one you want early on in a campaign, but actually as her deck evolves to be more guardian, potentially forgo some of that. 
yeah, um, yeah. And potentially, you sounded yeah. quite excited by that quiescence of thought ability, right? Yeah, that that feels pretty good to me. Of the stat is probably the least useful, mm. maybe. Although three, three, four, three, like that's that's not terrible, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. drawing every time you are down on cards, just being like, boop, I now have five cards. Yeah. And I think the 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 way it flips back up. Uh, if your hand did not have two or more cards in it yes. at any point this round, it flips back when you need cards. Once you've emptied your hand, because you need to empty your hand then to one card and yeah. commit commit or play that card before upkeep, because in upkeep you'll draw another card and that would take you to two cards unless you'd um, emptied your hand entirely. Yes, yes. So I, I, I like that, um, especially if you've got a way of ditching cards. Yeah, she's really interesting, and and I think probably the hardest to immediately get my head round. Yeah, uh, I, I think, think so she too. she's the kind of investigator that some people will like really really take to, and it'll be like oh the only one I play is Lily Chen kind of thing. Yeah, she just got that really iconic setup of cards, um, which yeah, I think people with are good really reason. Like. You could play through a couple of campaigns with her and really refine a build for her that starts with, you know, plus one combat and builds to plus one agility and then do another couple of campaigns and do it completely differently and do this like ebb and flow. I'm going to use that plus one intellect and and commit cards yeah. and then use it to redraw. Because, yeah, I'm, you're, I just wanted to jump on the point you made there. I think you're so right. Like if you lean into the quiescence of thought style, you're going to be committing lots of cards to empty your hand and then using this action to draw five cards. Because you really want to draw four or five cards to make it an incredible action. And then you're up to five again. And then you're committing like crazy to get to get it to uh, unflip or to flip back onto its unbroken side. So yeah. it's a, just a completely different play style at that point. I think as well, if you tell someone that your stats, once you get to 30x or 45 XP, your stats are going to be four, three, five, four. They'll be like, yeah. yes, give it to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want it. With no extra work, and you get three or four new abilities. She's properly the evolution character, isn't she? Yeah. But okay, should we go on to the? Oh, it's take another us down the rabbit hole. Down the rabbit hole. This is a blank cost asset, and it is talent trait permanent. Limit one per deck. Purchase a deck creation. After each scenario of a campaign, reduce the experience cost of the first two cards you upgrade before the next scenario by one. Increase the experience cost for you to purchase new cards by one. So th- the key things there are upgrade and purchase new. So does uh, swapping in a level zero card count as purchasing a new card? I think that does, right? Yes, I think so. So that already costs... you would pay one XP normally for that. That's one XP. It now costs two XP. Yeah. And any new card you add to your deck, even if that's a higher level version of a card for which there is a level zero version or lower mm-hmm. level version, but you, that you don't have in your deck, <laughs> that will cost what? An extra one. Yeah. Does that make sense there? Templating here. I was distracted. For underworld support, mm-hmm. the second section says you cannot include more than one copy of each non weakness, non signature card. And then the third line is reduce your deck size by five. Yes. And for, for forced learning, it says increase your deck size by 15. And then the second thing it says is you get to draw two instead of one. 
which makes me think you get the negative thing first. Bad news first, good news second. <laughs> but I think that's the opposite on this card, right? The good news on this card is if you're upgrading your shrivelings from zero to shriveling three, they each right. get a one XP discount. Yeah. So, so, so what that I was costs say, four so, instead so, of six. Yeah. So if I if I add level three shriveling to my deck without upgrading it from a previous version of shriveling, it will yeah, cost it me four. four for level three version. That's for yeah. no matter how many I add. However. Yeah. If I have two level zero shrivelings in my deck and I want to add two level three shrivelings, I can actually get them for four experience total rather than six. Yeah, yeah. If so that's pretty wild. Weirdly, this feels pretty anti-synergy with all of the Edge of the Earth investigators because they want to be they're going to be adding new higher level out of faction cards all the time. Yeah. Like, they literally cannot upgrade any of their base level zero, base class level zero cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very true. So it, it's a weird one to have in this pack for these investigators, but I do think it's an interesting card overall. Yeah. Especially in, in the Mystic style. I mean, that said, there's lots of upgrade chains in Mystic spells. Yes. So it could be that uh, Norman takes this anyway, together with Arcane Research. Yeah, and just like goes goes absolutely wild with all his level five spell cards. You've got deny existence zero to five, ward zero to two to five, shriveling right of seeking doing their zero two four zero three five whatever it is. Most of the new spell suites have at least two versions, whether that's the cursed spells or the Jacqueline spells. They all have three versions. We might see some upgradable spells in this box as well. You could end up with a weird. A weird situation where you've got down the rabbit hole and arcane research and you want to add the level zero version of a card to your deck and then upgrade it. Yeah. Rather than adding the new spell to your deck. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you add level zero Storm Spirits for one XP down the rabbit hole, but then you can upgrade it into level three Storm Spirits. Using the discount, yeah. Say it works out the same. Two right? arcane, you've got two arcane research and down the rabbit hole, so that yeah. reduces the experience cost of upgrading a spell by three. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Okay. It, but <laughs> you've paid two to put it in, one to put in a level zero card, and another one because of down the rabbit hole. Oh, of course you have, yeah. So you yeah, pay you two. two, and then you get the free upgrade. Yeah. Interesting. Whereas if you didn't have down the rabbit hole and you just had two arcane research... You'd pay yeah. one to put it in and then pay another one to upgrade it so it works out the same. <laughs> I feel the other wow. thing about Down the Rabbit Hole is some of the other ones we talked about, like taking them in off class. Yeah. And that that might work. But I don't know. Are there, would, does that work for this card? Like, would you take this in... I suppose if you took it off class Rogue, you'd be upgrading your Switchblades and your Derringers, say. Or your, you know, upgrade Leo... I, it's a fascinating thing to think about, isn't it? Because yeah. I don't think about my upgrades in terms of... Uh, I don't think about spending XP in terms of upgrades and new cards. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you really strictly planned out what your deck progression was going to be, you could maybe do that that comparison. Yeah. And again, a bit like... What was the card we talked about? Yes, Jeremy. No, no Jeremiah, mm-hmm. rather. <laughs> Jeremiah, call him Jeremy. yeah, yeah. You might... I don't know, say you're looking at a, a clue upgrading card. Say you've taken this in Daisy 
it becomes more attractive to say go deduction to deduction level two rather than some other you know instant clue card or, or clue getting card mm. yeah rather than stirring up trouble or something like that exactly yeah yeah yes. you're like well i might as well upgrade the cards i've already got maybe that's like a structure for a deck you know you want to get uh your old book of law you want to upgrade your old books of law yeah. instead yeah. you know that kind of thing you're pickpocketing to pickpocketing two your oh, lucky yeah. cigarette case to lucky cigarette case three yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That sort of pattern. I mean, well, I think that's, that's cool. That's a good shout. It, Maybe then, actually, I think there's probably a lot of opportunity to use that in Safina. Yeah. Hot streaks. Yeah, all your hot Good. streaks. Um, you two, know, the two to four. Don't think she, don't think she minds the caches going up in levels. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Blur. Yeah. Interesting. The, the challenge will be about how many of the level zeros you can get the free upgrades for. And if that works out as better overall, given that you're then paying more to bring in those high XP cards that you're not upgrading. Yeah. And that's, we definitely have to sit down and plot that out. And that's not first look terrain. (laughs) No, no, absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah. Next, we have Dragon Pole. Three cost asset, zero XP, as all these cards are. Combat icon, item, weapon, melee. You have one additional arcane slot. Action fight. You get plus one combat for this attack for each of your arcane slots that is filled. If at least two of your arcane slots are filled, this attack deals plus one damage. Takes up both your hands. Nice. So, yeah, seems good. The sign magic that gives us an arcane slot for a hand slot, doesn't it? Yes. This takes up two hand slots and gives us an additional arcane slot. So, like, I feel if you're not using your hands and you want an extra arcane slot, maybe mm-hmm. you take this. Yeah. Because yeah. um, it has a fight action on it as well. Yeah, farewell sword cane, I suppose. But okay, Well, yeah, if you're going yeah. that route. And then the fight action, plus one for each of your arcane slots that is filled. So potentially plus three if you've just got one yeah. of these out. Mm-hmm. And then also doing two damage. I, yeah, I think it's good if you can get those arcane slots filled. The question is, who is taking this and is also filling their arcane slots? You're running mine's army. Does it? Does it, does it turn? Ah, Diana. nice. <laughs> does it? Does it turn a, a a middling to poor fight mystic into a decent fighter? Mm. There's my question to you, Frank. I'm going to sit back and let you answer it. Yeah, Akachi. You run this in Akachi. She likes filling her arcane slots, right? And she likes yeah, having extra You're running slots. Alchemical Transmutation and a Sixth Sense and maybe an Evade spell in your three arcane slots. You're slowly mm-hmm. building those up. You can then do everything. You're using your hand slots to fight and you're hitting at a five or six. She's three fight. Yeah, but you're getting plus one for each of your slots. Yeah, sure. I was, yeah. I was just... Yeah, she's three fight normally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a confession so hitting five. At five or six, yeah. And I've got a confession to make. The only stat I remember for any mystic is what their willpower is. Yeah. So this I was looking not I had to fit for you. I had to look how about, it up. <laughs> how about this one then, Zoe? As a cheeky out of faction splash. Yeah. What does she I mean, put you're in then arcane probably slots? splashing something else into arcane slots. Yeah, your six senses or your your scryings or something like that. 
Mm. It's a weird one, isn't it? I'm not mad it's, on that. The weird thing about this card is you're probably spending eight or nine resources oh, three could, oh, no, to get this online as a repeatable plus two combat, plus one damage, mm. which is a big ask to get set up for it. So here's the question then. Does does Lily like it? Lily like it? Because Lily has endless access to level zero mystic. What we could do with Lily is pick some support or investigate uh, yeah. arcane slot things. Yeah. Um, say, I don't know, Sixth Sense. That's a nice one yeah. to pick, right? She can run them alongside the dragon pole and potentially be pretty beefy in terms of fight. She could also run Ever Vigilant because she can take Guardian 1 to 5. So she could spit all those cards out at a reduced cost at the start of the game. Oh, God, yeah. I'd never thought about that. That's lovely, yeah. And unlike Geared Up, <laughs> she can play any assets, right, with Ever Vigilant. <laughs> it's not just items. But it's it's a for, a... for a fighter to also play at least three other arcane slot assets... Feels mm-hmm. like a lot. Yeah. What else is... Is there anything else? Double Arcane slot? It's just Mind's Eye, I think. Just Mind's Eye. I was thinking, oh yeah, you could take uh, Enchanted Blade to take up your Arcane slot. But then, of course, that uses a hand as well. Yeah, get your bandolier down to then fill up your Arcane slots. Yeah. It's tricky in that way. There are other weird things that fill up the Arcane slot, like... Doesn't Dream Enhancing Serum fit in? Oh, it, yeah, you're right, it does. It absolutely does. But let's just not just get to get carried away. <laughs> okay, you're playing as Luke. <laughs> We're taking Dream Enhancing Serum and Underworld Contacts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With your, yeah, it just gets wild. So I, it's, it's a really weird one, this. Like, I think, in principle, a level zero weapon, which gives us a pretty unconditional two damage... And a fight boost. Yeah. Um, and an extra slot for, for three cost. That seems good. Mm. But I just struggle to see what the deck looks like around it. Do you know there's also, what is the Mystic Tarot? The uh, he- is cups. it the Hierophant? No, the new Mystic Tarot. Oh, the tarot new one. Oh, God, I can't. That says your arcane slots are accessory slots and your accessory slots are arcane slots. So you run this, that tarot, and your hallowed mirror or your rosary or whatever it is and you you don't try to fill your arcane slots only with spells you also fill them with accessories yeah that's pretty wild you're like this sort of like bangle warrior bangle warrior i love it the, the only the, the last thing i'd say about this card is it actually really mirrors lily in terms of how it develops over a scenario like she yeah. over a campaign gets stronger and stronger this card when you play this action one no one's cheering like, oh, yeah, you can use that all game. They're like, that? It's not giving you any boost and it's not giving you any damage. But then as you slowly start conjuring your spells, it starts to grow in power, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, a long way to get there. <laughs> yes, it is, yes. Okay, should we go on to the final card then? Let's do it. Okay, this is a two-cost event. It is Meditative Trance, and it has a willpower and an intellect icon, insight and spirit traits. For each of your arcane slots that is filled, heal either one damage or one horror. You let your mind drift into cold, meaningless oblivion. The emptiness feels like home. Mm. 
So this this sort of answers a question posed by the last card. If we've managed to fill all of our arcane slots, or the more of our, our, our arcane slots that we filled, the better this card becomes. Yeah. I must admit, I'm not necessarily particularly sold on this. I guess there's a dream scenario where you've taken the Hierophant and you've got like five arcane slots that are all filled. And this is yeah. healing five damage or horror. Yeah. Or some mixture of them. But if, I don't know, if you've got that many slots filled, are you not already doing pretty well? I can hear like past Peter chirping in my ear, actually. Yeah. If I had offered exactly what you said about like two cost for heal five. Yeah. I could just hear you being like, yeah, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. And this is really <laughs> a two cost to heal maybe two. Yeah. Which is pretty, <laughs> pretty tough to sell. Isn't uh, it? Yeah. And, and at its worst, it's two cost to heal Nout El Zilcho. It doesn't have a, it doesn't have a, a, a floor on it. Yeah. 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 Now, the one thing I'd say in this card's favour, yes, which is really in favour of all damage and horror healing that we're seeing in Edge of the Earth, there are some weaknesses that really care about healing coming up. I really like those. Yeah, I think that will come and on we're to we're going to talk about them, yes, probably next episode. And that, at least to me, says, hey, pay attention to healing in some way. And when we were looking ahead at Edge of the Earth as well, one of the things we thought about is there's going to be this whole cast of characters, these allies that will, I think, unlock different scenarios for us, or depending on who you have in your party, determines the path you can take through the Edge of the Earth campaign. Yeah. And while we may not be able to heal them, it might be that we end up taking more hits because we don't want them to take those hits. And so healing to stay alive might be more important. And then the other thing we know is that supposedly the Edge of the Earth scenarios go on long. They have multiple parts and kind of are challengingly long. Yeah. And healing has always been a bit stronger in, you know, event scenarios, things like Blob and um, Labyrinths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you, I get you. None of that is saying that this is a really great card. but No, um, I, and I think um, especially through the lens of Lily, who can take upgraded Guardian cards... Yeah, I think it really suffers in comparison to how much better Guardians are at healing. And don't get me wrong, yeah. I'm absolutely fine with Guardians having healing being more their their area. But yeah. compare this to something like I don't know, Second Wind. Yeah, just you know, really good or or Soothing Melody, also really good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a much tougher sell, I think. I agree. Yeah, I mean, maybe two costs to heal two horror. I don't like that at all. I'd much, much rather <laughs> take... Uh, yeah, the more I think about it, the more I don't like it. <laughs> You're outraged by that. I'm, I'm, what, I'm about, what about... What um, about... Picture this. I'm picturing, yeah. Go on, Clarity of my mind. eyes cold. Yeah. Healing words are in your arcane slots. You're yeah. ready to spend actions to heal one horror or damage. And everyone at the table is like, oh, really, that's what your arcane slots are filled with? <laughs> just healing. You're then going wild with the dragon pole and just smacking everything because you've got both your arcane slots filled and then people are like oh but you need to spend some time actually healing because you're taking all these hits with your dragon pole and bam you drop the meditative trance on the table and heal two damage <laughs> uh yeah can take it by you. the way Karen heal, can take it yeah heals yeah. horror can, yeah it, I mean, it, also it she can costs... take level zero mystic <laughs> so <laughs> It only costs one to play with her, really. Because she's going to heal one, yeah. 
Yeah, the other point against this card is it only heals you. It doesn't heal any allies or assets or anything like that, no. Yeah, or even a teammate. You can't say, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll just, you know, I know it's only healing you two, but if I heal you these two, you can survive one more hit and we can get out of this scenario next turn or whatever it is. You know, that sort of clutch play. Calvin can take it, but his yeah. arcane slots are probably not filled, apart from with Spirit of Humanity. So, yeah. Which does I don't the know, healing I do. for him. <laughs> maybe there's a build out there that really likes this. Um, yeah. But maybe we see m- more cards that trigger off of having all of your arcane slots filled. Yeah. Maybe in, in the multi-class or in other classes, we'll see more cards like that. So it builds towards a more cohesive whole. But even if yeah. it does, I just can't quite see this fitting in. Oh, is it? Sorry, I've, I've tidied it up now. Is it a... It's not even a spell. No, it's insight and, and spirit tracing. Man, if it was a spell, that would give us a little bit of a... We can search for it or it can trigger other effects. Yeah. Um, nope. But no. Slapping the <laughs> just, just a little bit underwhelming. Hopefully this episode hasn't been underwhelming to you, listener. That concludes <laughs> our rogue and mystic first look. Stay tuned, we've got loads more coming up as we slowly work our way through the entirety of the player cards of the Edge of the Earth. And like I said last time, we're not going to do a big sign-off, but you know how to reach us if you want to support us on Patreon. We really appreciate all the support we get. It helps us make wonderful episodes like this one. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you.